Welcome back to Bill's Chat. I am Josh McCarty. With me, as always, is Luca. Luca, how are you doing tonight? It's good to be back. Uh, I wish I was doing better. The Sabres could not provide myself with uh, any sort of joy, we'll call it. Although mm. last night was successful, tonight was an absolute bummer. Their first regulation loss after leading from two uh, in quite some time. I don't think they've done it even going back to the beginning of last season. But uh, I'm still doing good because, uh, Josh, we're back in the record chair. Uh, I'm talking to you again. We're going to mm-hmm. talk some Bills football. We're getting back into that offseason grind. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. It's been a while. We haven't been on uh, the air together since our season wrap-up podcast where we handed up awards and we kind of took a look back on the season. We, we took some time off, uh, really, almost the entire month of February, if not the entire month of February. And there's been some changes. Uh, we are no longer part of Built in Buffalo. We put out a little statement on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate everybody with that brand and, and everything that went into that. But uh, if you're wondering where you can find us at, we are at Bill's Chat Pod on Twitter. We are Bill's Chat on YouTube. And we are Bill's Chat Podcast on Spotify, Apple, anywhere where you can find your podcast. We are not going anywhere. Uh, it's just a. Uh, Things have changed as far as who we are affiliated with. It's fun to be back on our own, Luca, back where we started, where, where this this thing started almost three years ago. Yeah, there's that uh, that nice eager uh, enjoyment or uh, excitement with just being our own indie podcast, being our own thing. We kind of run our own show from start to finish. We can kind of schedule our own selves accordingly again, stuff like that. Not that there was anything ill with what it was like with Built in Buffalo, because honestly, the funny, I think the funniest part about this was Josh. We we kind of got our idea of what we're going to do schedule wise. Turned out to be very similar to what we did even then. We yeah. liked what we were doing there. So again, it's nothing against that. It's just the excitement of doing your own thing. You can catch us where it is. We're still going to be doing our same old thing. And honestly, you probably won't even be able to tell as the content rolls out because Josh and I hadn't even changed when we joined built in Buffalo. So leaving it won't change much of what we like to do. And that is just have a little bit of fun, talk bills, football, and just provide it for the world to see as embarrassing as it might be at times or as brilliant as it might be other times. Speaking of embarrassing, (laughs) do you know what you were doing 42 days ago? Uh, 42 days ago. Honestly, no. (laughs) 42 days ago, you were sitting in this chair with me talking about the bills playoff loss. Mm. to the Kansas City Chiefs. It has been exactly six weeks since that game took place. The Chiefs did go on to win the Super Bowl. Spoiler alert, if you're still catch, if you still have the season on DVR, uh, I do not recommend finishing the season. The bad guy won again. Um, Luca, I, I'm excited about our first topic because we were both disappointed, obviously, on the season wrap-up, on the season um, post-game show, and then obviously on the wrap-up show, another season that fell short. But now we've had some time to settle in to this reality of the bills falling short again, another second round loss. And I just want to take the temperature. Let's kick it around and and just see how we're doing now that um, we've had some time to marinate on this loss. Uh, The dust has settled after another second round exit. Where are you at with this bills team as it sits today? I don't, I don't necessarily mean like how disappointed are you in the 2023 bills more? So what's your confidence level with the nucleus that's intact understanding that there are some things in the air of some guys that may or may not be back because of free agency, but where's your overall level of confidence with these bills? Um, confidence or optimism, however we want to phrase it. I would still say it's in a somewhat fair, uh, good place. 
the it's such a funny thing because whereas there's clear concern on what maybe the weapons will truly look like the question marks maybe with how you feel about Diggs still being around if he's still around when he's still around whatever that situation may be you know is he still a true number one even anymore uh the Gabe Davis question that's still out there currently at this moment in time things like that where there are reasons for concern or maybe to be less than optimistic about what it is. But at the end of the day, when you have individuals who are on this roster, like 17, Josh Allen, of course, and others that are even like you have Rasul Douglas, who's almost, you would imagine extensions coming. That's also going to be cap relief, but then he's going to be around. And that was a revelation at the corner position. It felt like you still have your young guns that have been, you know, contributing a lot, this past year with uh, the draft picks or Khalil Shakir, you know, so on and so forth, where it's, it's a weird thing where I can understand if someone has question marks or might be less than optimistic uh, about it. But at the end of the day, when you look at the unit as a whole and you think about, I, I kind of try to look at it as where I was in 2023 at this time and where I am now, I feel like the question marks aren't as big they're not as kind of in your face where you are truly concerned about situations about what the roster breakdown is truly going to be this year. It feels like, yes, can we find more weapons? Can we do those kinds of things? Can we improve this roster with the cap limitations that could potentially be there in front of them? Things like that. But those feel like secondary question marks only because your major ones with Josh Allen, of course, number one, always being still secure, still safe. But then also things like your Kincaid, your Shakirs, your James Cooks, your Osiris Torrance will be back, of course. Uh, and then other things like that that just fall into place. Rasul Douglas, you imagine, is getting extended. Like I mentioned, in your cornerback position, it seems to be in a better spot, not with kind of we need Trey White to get back to full health. It's like, no, you actually have two very good, healthy corners now. Things like that are there where I actually feel like I'm in a better spot than I was last year, at least just looking at the roster and where it currently stands as we are kind of approaching tampering period, free agency period, where we see cap changes or uh, roster changes to affect the cap so that, you know, they can ultimately build around the current core that they have that you're asking me about. So I'll put it at fair to optimistic in some regards above fair. I guess if I could have just above the line of fair, I feel decent about this core. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm decent to, you know, to, decent to good. Um, Josh Allen is just such an equalizer. Now, has he been perfect in the playoffs? No, he wasn't good against the Bengals two years ago. But when you look at what he did against the Chiefs, he led the Bills to 24 offensive points. Um, the the He had three touchdowns, ran for over 70 yards, had just a couple of unbelievable throws one of which went down as an incomplete pass because Diggs dropped it and when you look at how good the Chiefs defense was during the entirety of the 2022-2023 season only one team scored more points against the Chiefs defense than the Bills scored in that playoff game and it was the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football they scored 27 points otherwise it was the Bills and the Broncos weirdly enough that scored 24 and that was the high watermark for the Chiefs this season they have an excellent defense and so in that regard i feel as confident as i am in knowing that josh allen's coming back and he's the ultimate equalizer uh where my confidence is different than say it was two years ago von miller's first year with the team 
I went into that season, Luca, thinking the Bills had the best roster in the sport. I thought their defense was absolutely excellent. I thought their offense had a chance to be excellent. And I thought the only thing that could get in their way would be injuries or luck or, you know, the randomness of football. I don't feel that's the case anymore. I, I don't feel the Bills have the best roster in the sport, uh, and the best roster in the AFC. I think they're among the better rosters, and, and that's fine. You have an, a, an ultimate uh, game-changing quarterback. Uh, but I think where my confidence then gets capped off is, is I'm starting to feel like, you know, the New York Knicks of the nineties, maybe, or, um, the Buffalo bills of the nineties where you're, you're, your best when somebody else is just better. And Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. I love Peyton Manning, love Peyton Manning. I love Tom Brady. But Patrick Mahomes can do things on the football field that those guys just couldn't do. Now, they were excellent. I don't want to get into like a whole long Patrick Mahomes versus Brady conversation, but it's entirely possible that the Bills uh, found their franchise quarterback, their golden ticket, just at the exact wrong time. And unfortunately, the blemish on their record is going to be that they actually traded out of the spot that he was drafted in. Uh, and we have to kind of live with that. But I think we're all okay with the fact that we have Josh Allen. I'm not overly worried about some of the hurdles the Bills have to go through this offseason when it comes to salary cap. We're going to get into a lot of those conversations tonight. I'm not too, too concerned about the weapon situation, understanding that Gabe Davis is probably not going to be a Bill in a couple of weeks. I am somewhat confident that the Bills are going to be aggressive again this offseason in finding weapons. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but in general, Luca, I'd say that I am moderately confident, understanding that 2022, 2023, was such a good opportunity. It was such a good opportunity. Deshaun Watson, gone. Joe Burrow, gone. Uh, Miami Dolphins, fell off the map. Aaron Rodgers, gone. Chiefs, the worst version of the Chiefs offensively that we've seen in the Patrick Mahomes era, and it's not even close. Um, you know, Anthony Richardson, gone. Jaguars, a team that many people thought were on the come up, not even in the playoffs. Justin Herbert, not in the playoffs. And unfortunately, the Bills couldn't take advantage. And the way you want to tell the story can is totally up to you. They ran into the team that just happens to own them and the rest of the league. Cool. That team's not going away. Uh, but Joe Burrow should be coming back. Deshaun Watson should be coming back. Uh, Anthony Richardson, however good he is, will be coming back. C.J. Stroud will continue to get better. Uh, Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, will be coming back next year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably coming back. So it, it's only going to get tougher, but I firmly believe sitting here, Luca, that uh, the bills are going going to, as long as Josh Allen is their quarterback, have many, many more kicks at the can. They'll get into those high leverage playoff spots and we'll just need the bills to be buttoned up in areas when it comes down to a game of inches where you don't run a fake punt at the world's worst time. That, that gives the other team life. You don't burn a second half timeout because you can't get your offensive players on the same page. Things like that in a game of inches, in a game that comes down to a millimeter, add up to be everything at the end. And to me, that's that's where the Bills came up short. Uh, but the next thing I want to talk about, Luca, on, on this episode, and look, we're not what we're not going to do is we're not going to drill down and do like draft prospect preview. We're not even really going to dig into like what free agents do we want. We're kind of just having a high level conversation. How are we feeling? What's our biggest concerns? And that's where I want to go next. Luca, this off season is going to be an interesting one as the bills right now 
our $41 million over the salary cap. So that is a concern. But is that your biggest off-season concern? I want to have a conversation about what is your biggest off-season concern. I put this question out on Twitter, and I kind of want to lead the conversation off there by going through some of the responses we got and just talking to some of the concerns of, of the listeners out there to see what they had. So I'll put some up on here. We'll quickly go through their thoughts and we'll see if we share those concerns, like big concern, no reason to be concerned. We'll kick it around and we'll see if there's anything left to talk about when we're done with this. Paul O, Paulie 0198 or 01986, more weapons. Last year I was okay with the weapons they added in free agency, but this year, if they don't go wide receiver first round of the draft, I'll be pissed, says Paulie. And, and I think what Paulie's saying is like, I was okay with, the, the Trent Sherfields and the Deontay Hardys of the world, you know, kind of filling in the gaps. Uh, they, they, they struck big on Dalton Kincaid in the draft. Uh, but for the most part, they ran it back with Gabe Davis and Knox. Do you share his concern right now about more weapons? Where, where would that, where would the weapons rank on, on your list of concerns? Uh, it's up there. I, I don't know if it's a straight up, I'll be pissed. Although I, I am in a similar mindset when we get further and further into draft talk, of course, you might see a bias of mine um, with where my head is. But in that same regard, or to even oppose my own thoughts on it, it's like you've already seen that initial um, emphasis on it where, yes, it wasn't a tr- you know just an out-and-out wide receiver, but it was a focus on weapons in that Kincaid pick. They even moved up to get him. They wanted to make sure you they secured him, and it clearly looked like it's going to pay dividends for years to come. And then in free agency, did they bargain shop a little bit? Yes. But at the same time, they tried to find true value where they could based on their cap restrictions and figure that one out while also still making a, it's not a splash splash, but they still signed, you know, Leonard Floyd for a good amount of cash in that one year deal. So they just had to figure that out, but still made sure they had a decent amount of weapons in house to do what it is. I would like to see them continue on that. And I'm going to say continue on that because You don't draft Dalton Kincaid in the first round if you haven't already been trying to do so. It's just now the glaring need clearly is on that boundary on the outside. You need more wide receiver help both for the now, but even more so in the foot and the future and years to come. You need to find that next generation. uh, Number one, basically that it's like, however that comes, however you navigate that, I would love to see them do. I think that comes in combination with draft and free agency, if they're able to make it work, which I'm sure I, I know you and I have had a little bit of conversation off in between our last episode and now where maybe these would be fun ideas that they could do that with. So don't have to get into specifics here, but I do. I, I am with Paul here where it's like up there at the top of the list, maybe not at the very top of the list of concerns is weapons, but it is up there. You would like to see them to continue to emphasize getting weapons in house for 17 for Josh Allen to continue to build on the offense and continue to try to maximize what you can get out of Josh Allen. Because, of course, you just need to saddle on that horse that is 17 and try to ride that through the finish because that is your best chance of getting to the ultimate prize. It is not going to be any other way. No one else is going to be able to do anything that's smarter than relying on Josh Allen. You don't need Josh Allen to be. Superman, though, if you just surround him with great talent and great weapons. So continue to do that. Continue to kind of really highlight that and do whatever it is with all of your blue chip items, whether it's free agent splash, which is going to be very, very difficult, but 
free agency and or through the blue chip draft picks that you have get something that truly will elevate that offense and help Josh Allen continue to do what he does best. So where I will stop short of agreeing with Paul is I won't be pissed if they don't draft a wide receiver because Agreed. when you're picking as late as the bills are in this draft, you, you just never know what's going to happen in front of you. And if you only have a first round grade on six wide receivers and eight go before your pick, then you're doing yourself a disservice. If you dip down to the ninth wide receiver on your board, just because you circled that position in ink. And I don't anticipate Brandon Bean would do that. It's funny. Matt Miller from ESPN came out this week and said, um, if you need a wide receiver and you don't take one in the draft, it's a massive mistake. And the first, if you don't take one in the first round, it's a massive mistake. And then he gave the bills a center. So I, you know, I, I love Matt Miller. I don't want this to be taken any other way than just kind of like a funny point of view. But, you know, I, I don't think it's ever a good idea unless you have like a top three pick to go into the draft just with your mind made up. You're going to address one position. But I am with you, Paul. I want the wide receiver position to be a heavy, heavy focus of their draft. I'm going to go to a couple comments here next along those same lines. First, we're going to go with Tom. Uh Tom, the truth, 1977, getting Stefan Diggs more involved, getting more speed at wide receiver. And then he goes on to say bigger interior D lineman in Trey White's health. And then the next one is going to be from Frankie Waps. Yo, biggest concern is they keep Diggs and don't address um, that they desperately need elite wide receivers. No more tight ends for the love of God. Uh, yeah, I, if they took a tight end in the first round, I mean, Brock Bowers falls to the Bills. Maybe maybe I'll listen, but I've had about enough of the 12 personnel conversation for uh, for the next little bit. I'm with you on that, Frankie. Um, The Diggs point. The last two comments kind of both on the opposite end of the spectrum where you have Tom, who's like, Diggs needs the ball more. Get, get Diggs featured, feature Diggs. And if I'm reading Frankie Wapp's comment correctly, um, it's almost like he's coming from the standpoint of if they like they're fooling themselves if they believe that Stefan Diggs is still an upper echelon wide receiver and that they're just fine with him as the one. And then you have Shakir coming back, and then you know, probably not Davis, but somebody like that. Um, and I I think I tend to be a little bit more on the Frankie side of things where it's not that I expect Stefan Diggs to show up in 2024, Luca, and be a wide receiver three on a roster. I, I think he's still a one in the sport. Uh, but I think there were signs of his decline last year. And if you would have told me before the season started that the Bills had a chance to put a dagger in the Chiefs with a ball that hits Diggs in the hands when he's one-on-one -on -one with a safety, I would have signed for that in blood. And he dropped it. And, you know, that's just a play you'd expect him to make. And I'm not going to wrap up his entire Bills career. His future is in this league on one play. Um, but I, I do think, you know, big time players make big time plays in big time games. It's absolutely cliche, um, but it's something that I, I've I've started to believe more and more and more. And when you watch the Super Bowl and you have this Niners roster that's just stacked with talent. And you can go down the list of players on the Niners that struggled in the Super Bowl. Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey didn't do a lot. Um, you know, Bosa didn't do a ton. And then you look at the Chiefs, Chris Jones, biggest pressure of the game. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP of the game. Travis Kelsey came through every time they threw him the ball. The Chiefs consistently in money games get money plays from their money players. And that's going to be something I look at with this Bills team deep, 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 because we have a large sample size of this Bills core now in playoff games. 
who raises their game and who shrinks in the moment. Stefan Diggs has not really had big playoff games for the Bills. He did well against the Colts. He had a bomb against the against the Patriots in that game where everybody went off, but he's been an absolute no-show every time the Bills play the Chiefs in the playoffs. And I'm not saying Stefan Diggs is washed, but I'm saying there were signs of his decline, and I have not yet seen a Stefan Diggs moment for the Bills that really makes me think that this is a guy that raises his level for this team in those games. What do you think about that whole, I guess, anti-Diggs thing I just went into? That was fairly anti-Diggs there, Josh. I will say you didn't also shout out the biggest big-time player in the Super Bowl. That was whoever it was that flipped the coin and hit it on heads. Proud of that guy. How about the Uh, guy on the uh, (laughs) – oh, did you have a bet on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I I thought you meant that the one that um, did the overtime coin toss. No. And then I would have gone to the strategist on the Niners who was like, hey – we're going to take the rock. No, no, no. I'm just shouting out the guy in the opening coin toss. A okay. lot of coin on that coin toss. There you go. And we hit it. Shout out that guy. Um, the digs conversation. Uh, I kind of even, I, I might've even incidentally talked about it in my last point where in my brain, it really is one where I'm with you hundred percent. It's there is signs of decline. There are these kind of flashes. We'll call them. The, the ball hitting the hands is the one that a lot of people like to draw to. It's a it's an easy one to go to, and it's it's not invalid. Uh, but there were other signs, too, as well, even throughout the season going into the playoffs where it's like Diggs is no longer that true one. I think there's a one a next to him now where it's like you you probably could have other players. You could do other things with that number one spot on this team. If you get the right person, Diggs can still be very, very good at a lot of things, but he's truly no longer that. How do I put this? He's no longer the commanding elite number one that he was. There are ways that he can be hit. He can be lost in a game. And it's not just because a team is bracket coverage hundred percent on Diggs, And therefore there's just someone else open all the time. He, you can one-on-one digs now, and get away with it if you're good enough. And, and that is that is the reality of it. And it time is undefeated. That just that's just how it works. And we're getting to a point where now you need to be proactive in how you plan for life after digs. I don't want it to be life after digs this season. I think digs is still way too valuable for a multitude of reasons to this team that you want him there. You want him in the dressing room. You want him involved with this team in a, in a big, big way. But at the same time, you need to be kind of ready for life after digs. And if that even comes during this upcoming season, you don't want to find yourself yet again in a place where if your receiving options lose digs, they fall off a shelf and you really are concerned with a lot of things. I do feel like they've already taken a baby step in that where they even know where to go if things aren't working out with digs, where they figured out this whole Shakir, uh, I'll call it the trio, the Shakir, the Kincaid and Cook trio, the mm-hmm. inside the numbers. There's something there where they figured that out and it worked very, very well. That group does a great job. Well, now you need to get that boundary option because it felt like late in the season and in the playoffs, what the chiefs did as well is they were just, they were trying to create confusion in between the numbers where then inevitably you needed to have outside options where the, the chances were there. The, the one that again, going right back to it, the one that hits digs in the hands, it's there. 
they were giving those up. It's just we weren't able to capitalize because we didn't have the players there to take advantage of it. So I would love to see this team. I again, I'm I'm with you on the back on that Paul comment where it's like if the wide receiver is not there for them in the first round, I don't need to see them just settling for whatever it might be. If they don't give Troy Franklin a first round grade, I don't want them still drafting him because he's the ninth receiver on the board and they just need a receiver. It's like, I, I would like to see them maybe even be aggressive if they do love a guy and move up to do so. But again, however they need to do it, if, if they can make cap work and all of a sudden you bring in a Hollywood Brown and, and you kind of Hollywood Brown is a proven guy who can be a number one for a team in certain facets it's like if all of a sudden you now have that insurance plus a blue chip draft pick and then everything else falling into place you feel a lot better about yourself and the team and the weapons available uh, exponentially compared to last year where you kind of piece together a Trent Sherfield a Deontay Hardy and all of that kind of stuff so I would just love to see the we'll call it quote-unquote life after digs being addressed and be proactive about that because you don't want to just feel like you have to address it when it's already apparent where it's already happening. This is a perfect opportunity. It seems like it's a great off season to have the conundrum that the bills have on the boundary at wide receiver. Please take care of that. This isn't an anti dig segment. It's just, he is falling off a little bit. Now age is a wonderful thing, whatever it is. He can still be a great, great guy, but you need to plan and do everything you can for life after digs with the opportunity that is in front of them, especially considering the draft and what is there at the wide receiver position. Yeah, in the pipeline, they have really only two guys. They have Justin Shorter, who did not get on the field this year, and Khalil Shakir, who really came on this year and became a really nice weapon for them. Not sure he has number one wide receiver upside, though. I think he's much more of a guy to compliment the guy, which is fine. You need that guy in today's NFL. You need three or four good wide receivers. I think Khalil Shakir is certainly capable of being that. But outside of that, it's Andy Isabella on a futures deal. And we'll see what happens with Gabe Davis. I get the sense that he's going to price himself out of Buffalo, especially with guys like Michael Pittman and uh, T. Higgins looking like they're going to be getting the franchise tag. That wide receiver market is looking more and more like Gabe Davis could be at the very top of it. And, um, and good for him. Good, go ahead and get paid, Gabe. Uh, and I will say this quickly, Luca. I think there's um, a school of thought. Gabe Davis, he's kind of like my my uh, my stepdad always used to say this about black licorice. You either love it or you hate it. Like you, nobody just is like neutral on black licorice, right? I, I hate it. He loves it. My dad, my dad loved it. My stepdad loved it. So apparently, my mom likes guys that like black licorice. That's neither here nor there. Um, Gabe Davis feels a lot like that feels like you either think he is a high end wide receiver two, and the bills are super lucky to have him there. And he could be a wide receiver one on most teams, or you think he is the most replaceable wide receiver two, who is a product of the system and is a one trick pony and it has inconsistent hands. I will tell you this. I was probably guilty of being in the latter where I thought Gabe Davis was really more of a product of the system. I didn't see him being a special player. I thought he was pretty replaceable. And I actually came on our show and said, I don't know how much of a downgrade it really is. Uh, Trent Sherfield being in for Gabe Davis in these playoff games. And I'm sorry, I, as a wide receiver, if your best calling card is blocking, 
I'll find I'll find offensive linemen to do that. I value wide receiver blocking. Heinz Ward was the best blocking wide receiver I ever saw, but he also had some really good receptions in the sport. But I will say, Luca, I think it was pretty evident in that playoff game that when Gabe Davis wasn't out there, the Bills' offense was very, very horizontal, and Trent Sherfield did not stretch the field or even stress the defense like Gabe Davis does. There were some balls that bounced off of Trent Sherfield's hands that I feel like Gabe Davis may have come down with. So I think the truth is in the middle. I think the Bills are probably going to lose Gabe Davis. I think they will miss Gabe Davis. But for the price it's going to be to retain Gabe Davis, I am okay with him walking, go get paid, and the Bills can try to, to, try to refill. But I, I don't think it's as easy as, oh, it's Gabe Davis. It's fine. We'll find anybody to do that job. The Gabe Davis conversation truly is nothing against the player. It's it is strictly business and price. That really is what it comes down to. It's like everything you said about Gabe Davis is pretty much spot on. He the value he is to the team is just not where the cost is going to be with retaining him. It's in Gabe Davis's mind, he absolutely should be getting top dollar. Every every player in the league, every player in all sports should be maximizing their dollars because you you never know how long you're going to be playing the game. You have life-changing uh, potential right here with your income. You need to maximize. You need to take, take all advantage of it. With the Bills in mind, you have other decisions that you're going to have to make, one, to get back in you know net positive of cap, although cap is a very fake thing. I mean, the cap is not real. Everyone can navigate that, but regardless, when you're negative 41 million currently, you will have to get somewhat creative and make tough decisions. And when those tough decisions present themselves for the bills, you also have decisions to be made on Tyrell Dotson, Taylor Rapp, uh, AJ Epinesa, of course, um, other guys where you're also going to have to make decisions. Taylor Rapp might've been a little bit of a stretch, but at the same regard, depending on what you're doing with safety, especially with Micah and Poyer's situations, you might be trying to bring back a Taylor Rapp because at least he understood the system for a year. Who knows? Ultimately, you have a lot of different decisions there. I mean, Daquan Jones is another big one. It's like you have other decisions that are going to be needed to be made that Gabe Davis, unfortunately, at his price is just not feasible for the Bills. It doesn't make sense. It would be a very questionable business decision by being if they were to kind of fork him the cash and retain him and everything about the player they you know he is clearly regarded very highly in the front office and in the dressing room there was a reason he was voted captain and everyone respected him like a captain of this team this past season like that that is very very valuable when it comes to the player itself but it is not worth the price tag that you're going to now have to pay him to bring him back. That is just the bottom line. And is he replaceable year one? Probably not. Like you will probably see some sort of dip in all reality because that's just how it works. But you can still do the best you can with the funds and the finances you have to try to get that back into the pipeline and get things that will eventually fill that role, if not provide something different that might even work out better for you in the long run at a much cheaper cost. So it's just business. It's nothing personal against the player. I I am one of those individuals where I think Gabe Davis in the end 
can be replaced. But at the same time, I do understand there's not a lot of tall guys like him that truly can stretch the field like he does and be a legitimate threat. It's a very rare quality to find. But it's kind of that thing where it only happens in flashes anyways. So I'm, I like consistency. I like, I'm the kind of, there's two things I like in players. You need to be exceptional at something. You can't just be very good at everything and you need to be consistent. Like that is just how it works. If you are either or, or neither, I, I, I think you're replaceable because I think there are as talent is continuously becoming more and more out there that you will eventually find something that will check both those boxes and you can build upon that. That is what you need in a player. And I wish all the best to Gabe and everything like that. I just would not be, I, I would be shocked if they actually forked the cash to bring Gabe back um, because it just doesn't make sense in a business standpoint. And they have some bad contracts on the books right now. Von Miller sticks out like a sore thumb. Unfortunately, Tredavious White sticks out very badly right now because of his back-to-back serious knee injuries. Dawson Knox is a pretty ugly contract when you factor in he's not even the best tight end on the team. Uh, he's played at a pretty replacement level as far as tight ends go, and he, he brings an eight-figure cap hit. So I think Gabe Davis, for as much as I like him, I don't love him. And I think that's where you have to kind of draw the line more near a team like the Bills that's up against it with the cap. you got to be smart about the decisions you make. And the people you do keep, you want to do where you did like you did with Ed Oliver, where you're gambling on improvement and upside. And I don't know how much more Gabe Davis has to grow in this sport. I could be wrong. Uh, hey, the Bills could go out and get Marquez Valdez Scantling if they want, if they want another inconsistent player. I'm just kidding. G- Gabe Davis is better than that. Scantling saved his best for the Bills game, which is just – Incredibly annoying. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about thanks again, by the way, to everybody that submitted questions. We appreciate you and uh, thank you for sharing your biggest concerns with us. Luca, the salary cap is a concern of many, and I think rightfully so. And I know you said the salary cap isn't real, and, and I do believe that to an extent, but um, I do think there are things about the salary cap that do prevent you from having the the autonomy to run your team the way you want to. Like there are still ceilings on what you can do. The Bills' current situation, according to Spotrack, is they are $41 million over the cap. Now they got some good news along with the rest of the NFL that the cap is actually going to be $255.4 million in 2024, a massive jump from 224 last year, widely unexpected, but the Bills still have some work to do. They have already restructured Connor McGovern, which will save the team around 3 to $4 million. Um, there are reports out there from Adam Schefter that the Bills are going to re- release Naheem Hines. That makes way too much sense. That'll save the team nearly $5 million for a player that you know is a backup running back, even if he's healthy and a kick returner. Uh, I think the Bills learned last year with Ty Johnson. You don't need to pay that for a backup running back or a kick returner. My biggest concern with the salary cap, Luca, is not that the Bills can't get under it. There's always ways to do it. It's what they'll have to do to get under and what those implications could be. There are two names that quite honestly scare the daylights out of me that could get the Bills pretty much where they need to go. Now, one thing I think we all know is coming, but if you don't, great. Josh Allen is going to be restructured again. It's a $23 million cap savings. It's not a matter of if, but when. 
And when you think about these restructures, here's what I want, even like if you're not strong in salary cap and you tend to glaze over your eyes when these conversations happen, this is as simple as I can put it. If you want to restructure a player, ask yourself two things. One, is this a player that I am comfortable having on my roster for the next two to three seasons? If the answer is yes, move on to the next question of, will I save money by restructuring this player? If they check both boxes, boom, get it done. Josh Allen will be on this roster for the next two to three seasons. If he's not, this thing has gone terribly, terribly south. Everybody will be fired anyway, and it won't matter. Josh Allen, 23 million. Remember those two questions I just asked you, because two of the next biggest cap savings the Bills could do, restructuring Von Miller and Stefan Diggs. Von Miller restructure would save the Bills about $12 million against the cap, and boy, oh boy, could they use that. Stefan Diggs, $13 million against the cap. Will they save you money? Boy, that answers that question. Yes. But the other question, the one I brought up, Luca, is do you see these guys? Do you want them on your team? Do you want to be locked into them two to three years from now? My answer for Von Miller is hell no. My answer for Stefan Diggs is I don't think so. I don't want to go as far as to say hell no. I think that's disrespectful. Um, but uh, wh where are you at? I I think the Bills should put the, the Von Miller uh, restructure in like a safe that they don't have the access code to. And you're not allowed to open that no matter what happens. And Stefan Diggs is like the fire extinguisher where it's behind break glass in case of emergency. If you can't get other ideas done, we'll go ahead and kick the can down the road on Stefan Diggs, but that's plan B, C or D not plan a, where are you at with these two names? As far as restructures go. Um, I am, I mean, Von Miller, yeah, lock it up, lose the key. Don't even think about it. Don't, there should be no one that even writes it down on a piece of paper that would, could even spark the idea in memory of like, oh, yeah, that could save us some money. Like, that would be brutal. You need to just kind of eat it. You just have to deal with the reality of what it is so that you can get out of it after this. The Stefan Diggs conversation with that, though, <sighs> I think I'm a little bit more harsh than you. I think business, you need to be tough. There, there's no emotions in it. There's no respect, disrespect. Business is business and money is money, especially in a league like the NFL where the NFL moves on without you. That's just how it is. Jim Mercer said that pretty tough uh, last offseason um, just to kind of give that dose of reality to Jonathan Taylor. It's like the league will move on from everyone. In Stefan Diggs' terms, two, three years when we already just had a conversation that he's kind of showing signs of regression in two, three years times, that regression could be very, very readily apparent. And you can't be stuck with that. You will have a Von Miller situation, maybe not to that scale, but probably something very close. And yes, the cap will probably be up even more. So at that point, could you manage it at that point more? Sure. You're seeing a lot of things like that in the NHL, actually, because the projection is the NHL salary cap for reference is like 85 million. I think right now they're thinking it's already going to be 95 million in the next two, three years. That's a huge jump percentage wise compared like it's similar to the bill, uh, similar to the NFL this year where the massive spike because of TV deals. So all of a sudden you're seeing teams just push money down the road. 
yes, it might work out for the Bills if they did that with Diggs, but you don't want to get caught in a situation where it feels even worse to be in that contract because he's continuing to regress on the field and production and you're stuck with it, similar to the Von Miller situation. So I feel like if you can make it work elsewhere, you know, with Trey making the very difficult decision with Trey White and the out that you have in his contract and making that happen and doing taking care of that, extending Rasul Douglas where you can get a good chunk. You kind of it's nickel and diming it. It's not literally nickels, but nickel and dime it to get yourself to a good number. If there's a way you can do it in that regard, then you live with the digs and Von Miller contracts as is so that you can get out from them whenever is best and you're actually not killing yourself down the road even further. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think with Von Miller, the Bills really just have to make it through 2024 and then you can you can have the conversation of getting out of it. Um, you know, and then there's the chance that a year removed from his ACL maybe he comes back and he's an effective player, but boy, he has a lot working against him. I think Diggs realistically already has two seasons. I mean, you're going to have to eat it if you get rid of him anytime in the next two seasons as it is. And if you kick the can down the road, I mean, holy moly, the saints get a lot of credit for never falling under the salary cap. But does anybody notice their roster isn't very good because they're still paying players that aren't very good anymore. Um, so that's my concern. I, I do think the bills are probably going to have to have somewhat of a reset year, but there's other ways they can get this done. And I kind of want to go through some of those options now. One thing the Bills can do, should do, is give an extension to Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins is on the last year of his deal. Much like the restructure conversation, uh, you want to ask yourself when you give a player an extension, is he going to be on your roster two to three years from now? If it's a you know big extension, if it's a one to two year extension like Poyer got last year, you don't have to go to that extreme. And is he is he somebody that is playing at a high level where you're not worried about regression? Deion Dawkins is coming off of his best year as a pro. And um, I'm absolutely in favor of that. And over the cap says that a Deion Dawkins extension could save the bills upwards of $7 million against the cap. Let's get that done. Rasul Douglas, you can't, you've mentioned him several times on this show. He's an older player, but the reason why Luca keeps bringing him up is because he has one year left on his deal. And it's a $9.7 million cap hit where the Bills could release Rasul Douglas and save 9.7 against the cap. But if you saw Rasul Douglas play last year, that's a guy you probably want to bring back, particularly with the question marks around Tredavious White. Over the cap says that a Rasul Douglas extension could save the Bills nearly $7 million in cap. And then a Taron Johnson extension, if the Bills wanted to get creative there, could save the bills another 4 million. So you put those together, you're talking 17, 18 million in savings on top of the Josh Allen, 23 million in savings. And you're almost back to sea level, which is, you know, <laughs> a little bit scary. Uh, but then you have the Naheem Hines thing you can do. Deontay Hardy is almost certainly going to get cut. That'll save you 4.3 million. And uh, from there, you know, it's pinch a penny here, pinch a penny there. But it's not just about getting back to sea level. You have to be able to do business. You have to fill out your roster. You got to pay your draft pick. So Brandon Bean has some work ahead of him. I do fear that the Stefan Diggs uh, restructure is going to be a necessary evil. Unfortunately, this offseason for the Bills, as painful as it will be to see that get done, because I, I think they're kind of up against it right now, unless they can find a way to trade him or, or find a way to eat it, but it just, it feels like 
it feels like that's going to be a lever they have to pull, and that's going to be pretty uncomfortable, I think, for the Bills as, as there's a lot of signs right now that Diggs is regressing. All right, Luca, the last thing I want to get into tonight, and we're not going to go too deep into to free agency. We're not going to really even talk about who the free agents are that we're interested in for the Bills. Uh, we have some other shows coming up for that, but I do want to talk about the Bills pending free agents because, you know, they're while they don't have a lot of cap, they still have the option to bring these guys back. And I think there are some interesting names on this list. And I put out on Twitter, on my own personal account, uh, Bills Chat Josh, and I want to just kind of run through how I how I bucketize these twenty one unrestricted free agents. And I want to see if you agree, disagree, what you think about these twenty one free agents. And I will start with what I think are not necessarily the big four, because I think there's a player that might outrank all of them, but I think the most interesting four, I give them the title of unpredictable market, Gabe Davis, Tyrell Dodson, AJ Epinesa, and Dane Jackson. All four of these guys have shown starter level flashes, but it's not been consistent and how other teams value them because of their age and because that they've played high level and in the, in the, especially Gabe Davis, AJ Epinesa, and Dane Jackson, they play positions that are premium positions in the sport. There is a chance they could have a high market. The Bills, I don't think, are going to be able to spend to the ceiling on any of these guys. My belief for all four of these guys, Davis, Dodson, Epinesa, and Jackson, the Bills would love to have all four back, but I think the Bills have a very firm ceiling on all of them and will not get into a bidding war on any of them. Would you agree with that? Um, I will agree with Gabe Davis. I will agree with Dane Jackson. And that's only because of Rasul Douglas. I'll be quite frank. Um, and yeah, you know what? Yeah. AJ Epinesa might be the one that they're a little loose with. They might, I think with Floyd leaving, uh, and then there's an, understanding that edge might be a little thin because you realistically have to go into the season thinking Vaughn's still going to be a useless sack of crap. Um, you, you want AJ Epinesa back. Yeah. It was an aggressive. (laughs) That's what it was. Um, you might be willing to bend kind of bend the books a little bit for AJ Epinesa. That's where, that's the one that I maybe will disagree with the other three though. Dodson also, I kind of could probably talk. Dodson maybe is like you bend it for loyalty's sake and you spent all this time developing him and it's like he finally broke out when you needed him the most, ironically enough. And now it's like, oh crap, now someone else is going to reap the benefits at a cost, but they're going to reap the benefits of it. It's like that feels dirty. (laughs) It feels wrong. And just like, you know, maybe they want to keep him around because if you do keep Tyrell Dodson around, Matt Milano coming back as long as he can get up to speed and be at health. That is a very good linebacking core. Um, that's one where maybe they get it. AJ Epines is though the only one I'll probably, you know what? That's the one I'll put my my fist on. I'll disagree. I think they'll be a little loose with that ceiling. Gabe Davis, though, and Dane Jackson, they are replaceable due to the market. They are replaceable due to the cost of which they will most likely be seen by the outside world. And the Bills just, again, like the Gabe Davis conversation I had before, it's nothing against the player. It's just, it's bad business if they were to pay the cost of what those players will get. And those players, understandably so, 
need to go get that money elsewhere. And that's just the reality of it. Will I be shocked if all four of them end up leaving Josh? No, not at all. I wouldn't even be remotely surprised because again, players need to go get their money. And if the bills do hold firm on that ceiling, I would not be surprised. And then they just have to go and get money elsewhere. You know, your AJ Panessa leaves your Dodson leaves. And will it be the end of times for the bills? If all four of them leave follow-up answer on that one is no. I think those are individuals that you can replace. You may struggle a little bit only with that. AJ Vanessa to our, I mean, my surprise, I I believe you were surprised even a little bit with how he elevated his game finally last season, but you should be able to replace that. You still have other blue chip items at edge as well. You have other guys you can manage that with, but overall they are replaceable. They're not, they're not elite superstars. They're not absolute godsend studs. It's like you should, if you're good enough at your job as a GM and as scouts or as a free agent scout, whatever it is, you should be able to then navigate the cap, navigate money, and figure out those replacements to fill those roles and make something work. That is the reality of the sport, and I don't think any of those guys are true game changers where you just can't replace them. I think you identified them pretty well. I think AJ Epinesa was probably the one they would stretch for. If nothing else, he was the highest pick of their draft class. For them. remember, that was the year they they traded the one for Stefan Diggs. He's developed nicely for them. But I don't even know if he's a starting level player. That's the problem with him. But he plays a premium position, a position they're very thin at. Dodson, I I don't I would be stunned if he had a massive market. I just really would. I. I I, I don't know how much NFL teams value pro football talk or pro football talk, pro football focus. Um, and then you mentioned it like the bills are going to get Milano and Bernard back. So you're talking about a nickel team. What's up? I will say you bring up the PFF thing. Love JJ Watt and pros that go in that. Yes. Apparently they do actually use those metrics for negotiations just in their benefit. However, it can, unfortunately for them, it wouldn't help you with Tyrell Dodson. Sorry, no, I just want to bring that up because so it, it was topical, you know, recently. So it is funny that you J- say that. JJ Watt is amazing on Pat McAfee, by the way. <laughs> every, every week he's bringing something good. <laughs> I, but to me, it's like Dodson would be cool to keep um, if you can get him at the right price. But I wouldn't really want to go much more than like just a, a notch above veteran minimum because you did draft Dorian Williams. You know, you, you, you're talking about the third linebacker on a team that runs predominantly nickel, we think, unless they're going to change it up under Babbage. Um, and you feel really good about your starting two backers in Bernard and Milano. And um, so, yeah, that's that's I agree with you on that. And then Dane Jackson is just kind of like, is he going to have a massive market? I'd be a little bit stunned there. I think he's a guy the Bills could probably get back pretty comfortably if they're still concerned about the growth of Kyer Elam. Um, I have listed as their top priority – Daquan Jones. Now you might disagree with this, how you talked about uh, AJ Epides. I'm excited to hear what you say about this, but this is what I wrote. The bills can't afford to be big spenders in free agency, but any cap gymnastics being can do to keep Daquan Jones should be considered. He makes everyone's job on defense easier was a dominant force early in the season. Age and injury might benefit the bills and lower his market. Do you agree with me that Daquan Jones should and should be and is the Bills' top priority because for me, it's not just the fact that I think he's the best player that's hitting free agency for the Bills. It's also because after Ed Oliver, everybody else is gone. <laughs> so um, the, the Bills need some numbers there. Uh, where are you at with Daquan Jones? 
Daquan Jones is priority. Daquan Jones cannot leave the building. Daquan Jones cannot not be a bill next year. He is 32 years old. I think he'll even be turning 33 um, during the season. It might be on the precipice. It might not be quite there. But um, yeah, you know what's the worst thing that happened, honestly, in the Daquan Jones conversation? It was Fletcher Cox signing a one-year $10 million deal last year to stay with mm-hmm. the team. A 32-year-old defensive tackle signing a $10 million one-year deal. It's like, dang it. Because you know, uh, understandably so, Daquan Jones' agent should bring that to the table and be like, I mean, this happened for Fletcher Cox. No disrespect to Daquan Jones. It's not quite Fletcher Cox, all right? right? Although Fletcher Cox, it wasn't anything special last year. His career, though, is why he got paid one one year, $10 million for the Eagles and stuff like that. Anyways, that was the worst thing to have happen. Realistically, though, whatever you're trying to do to navigate the impending free agents that will be leaving the building, Daquan Jones is number one on that list of you need to make sure he comes back. Whatever it is you're doing to navigate the cap, it is to bring back Daquan Jones because you said it right on. He made everyone's life easier. He was clearly a massive impact player for the defense. He is the best one T they have. You need him. He affects all facets of the game. And he's still, it. I mean, even as he came back from the injury that he did, he was still more effective than any depth defensive lineman you had for the interior. And that just should, that tape alone should tell it all to them. It's like, bring him back. And I'm sure, from everything we've seen about that, because there's been a, a thing or here or there about it, it sounds like that's where their mindset is. It does sound like both Daquan and the Bills front office want to make that marriage happen going into next year. So it's not like I feel like it's it's in jeopardy. It's just, yes, when it comes to priority and this question you've brought up, he is number one on the list. And honestly, after him, it falls somewhat off a shelf. Realistically, it is Daquan Jones needs to come back. And can I live in a world? I mean, I my heart doesn't want to live in a world without Micah Hyde, but can I live in a world without Micah Hyde's Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Puna Ford, Tyrell Dodson? We already brought up Taylor Rapp. I mentioned earlier stuff like that. Yeah, I can live in a world where all of those guys are not bills. I'm sure they can navigate around that. It's well, just Daquan Jones is the priority. It's funny you mentioned Micah Hyde because he's the subject of the next grouping. Do they want to keep playing football? I have three players in this group. Micah Hyde, Jordan Phillips, and Damian Harris. And this is what mm. I put. If if Jordan Phillips wants to keep playing, I'd offer him a vet minimum this summer and uh, see if he can earn a spot. I think he plays his best ball for the Bills. Um, he's usually good for the Bills for about eight games a season, makes about one or two game-changing plays a year. And for a fourth defensive tackle on a veteran minimum, veteran minimum deal, sign me up. I don't know when those game-changing plays will be. I've joked about putting him in bubble wrap until the playoffs roll around because the last two years they've lost playoff games with him not even active in the game. Um, Damian Harris, to me, uh, gone whether he wants to be gone or not. I wish him the best, but he's 27 years old. His season was cut massively short. And honestly, once Joe Brady took over, the priority seemed like it became speed, pass catching. That's not really Harris's thing realistically, I love Micah Hyde. You love Micah Hyde. It sure sounds like reading the tea leaves, he's on the brink of retirement. Um, But harsh love here, even if he is willing to come back, I think it's probably time for the Bills to move on and uh, turn the page. At some point, you have to just take a step into the next generation 
of this roster build and stop running it back with the same players. I thought, boy, this is going to be tough to say. I thought Hyde and Boyer both looked slow <laughs> this year. Yeah. And it, it was tough to watch at times. Uh, you didn't see a lot of plays made out of either one of them. I, I'm not necessarily in a hurry to cut Jordan Poyer. I think for the savings, it's probably worth keeping him. Uh, as far as Hyde goes, uh, I'm good to move on. So Micah Hyde, Jordan Phillips, Damian Harris, Luca, uh, do they want to keep playing football? That That's kind of where I have them at. Yeah, that's a good category. I mean, Micah, the, the funny conversation about Micah really is, for him, it's like, is it even worth coming back? Because even like my history that I brought up with Daquan Jones, where it's like the worst thing that happened for the bills was a guy signing a one year, $10 million deal at 32 years old. And that on the flip side, no one historically at safety, if they're 32 plus has signed a contract, that's more than a couple million dollars. And for Micah Hyde, is it really even worth it at this point in your career and or life? Is that worth it for you anymore? Have you done do you need to do any more? Because I feel like for Micah, you know, it just might be what it is. And if it's not going to be with the bills, I don't see him going anywhere else. And like you're saying with the bills at, at some point, you just need to kind of create that split, move on, move to the next gen. Let's see what else we can do because like it, it wasn't just flashes like we were seeing with digs and regression. There is clear regression there. And it's again, father time wins all. It's just the nature of the beast called life. And uh, you just, you have to live with it. Um, the Jordan Phillips one didn't even really think about that. Yeah. Jordan Phillips, he could just call it at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's just not working out. It's year after year with decent, if not severe injuries. And then um, yeah, Damien Harris makes a lot of sense. If, if he were to call it, it, I don't think anyone would be surprised. It's just unfortunate, you know, because that's, Damien Harris and players like him where they had a good first year and you think they're going to be something great and stuff like that. That is why you cash in when you cash in, if you have the chance, mm -hmm. because next thing you know, you could be just two critical injuries later and you are wondering if your career is ultimately over. And it just sucks for someone like him that really never got to cash in, although he plays a position that really can't even cash in. So, um, you know, wish him all the best. But yeah, I would that would be a shock of the century if he came back with the Bills. That's for sure. And these next few groupings that we can go through a little bit quicker because it's not the premium names, but uh, I have five guys here that I think the Bills would love to have back, uh, but uh, at veteran, veteran minimum deals on all these guys. And that's my whole caveat is we'd love to have you back. Will you take a veteran minimum deal? David Edwards, Cam Lewis, Ty Johnson, Kyle Allen, and Tyler Matikiewicz. I think Cam Lewis and David Edwards are maybe the two names on that list where if the Bills were going to overextend themselves a smidge above the veteran minimum deal, just to sweeten the pot a little bit, whether it's playtime incentive, what have you. Um, for Cam Lewis, I think there's a real path to a starting job or at least a competition for a starting job, maybe much like Tyrell Dotson had this year with Tremaine Edmonds leaving. It's like, hey, you've put in your time. We can't afford it, but this is the best opportunity you have to just come right in and play next year as one of our starting safeties. And then David Edwards, I think they view him as a very valuable depth piece. And um, I could see them potentially just wanting to keep that whole nucleus together, going a smidge above veteran minimum. Otherwise, Ty Johnson, Kyle Allen, Tyler Matikiewicz, love to have you. Don't have a lot of money. If you're willing to take the vet minimum, you got a home here if you want it. <clears throat> it's so funny to have the comment I'm about to make on a guy like Tyler Matikiewicz. 
I don't want to see anyone like Tyler Matakevich on this damn roster anymore. We had just experienced a season where it's like injuries are stacking up. We don't know what we're doing with this. And it's like, but don't worry. We spent a premium on guys like Tyler Matakevich. So yes, what we're talking about is veteran minimum. And that's obviously a little bit of a different conversation, but at the same time, can we just not prioritize special teams player altogether? Yeah. I don't care if you specialize in special teams. Guess what? I bet you this guy we just drafted in the sixth round because he's a pretty athletic guy could probably fill your role at, let's say, 85 to 90 percent of what you do on a rookie deal that is very much controlled and everything is a OK. So um, it's nothing against Matikavich. I just want to see this whole thing we've dealt with in years past where there was an emphasis on special teams aces, we'll call them. Let's get rid of that idea altogether, please, because you just you can't afford to do that when injuries are becoming more and more prevalent because these guys are becoming more and more freaks and they just seem to get hurt all the time. So Medikavich, sorry, I don't want to see you back, Um, even if it's Batman. Uh, I will say the David Edwards one is an interesting point. I do think they value offensive line if they are someone that they like uh, a little bit more that I could see them going maybe a dip over veteran men, like you're saying. But even Cam Lewis, I don't even know what kind of market there is for a guy like Cam Lewis anyways. Mm-hmm. So realistically, do you even need him to try to like take like that seems like a situation where you let the draft even fall as it may. And then if you didn't get kind of a guy on day three, that's a defensive back, you like to fill that role. Then you go, Hey, Cam, you want to come back for that vet men deal? Like, here you go. Like that's, that's the kind of, and we're kind of talking about players that all fit that. I think David Edwards even fills that kind of role where it's like, if they didn't find someone else that they like in that position, then they'll come back to him after the draft, after free agency, after the draft. And it's like, Hey, do you want to come back on this vetman deal? We'll bring you back. We'll see what it is. We'll see if we make everything else work in the roster around you. Congrats on coming back. Like those are guys that, yeah, if they stretched for them, they massively screwed up. Um, and if they brought a guy like Tyler Matikavich back altogether, just me, myself, and I will not be happy about that one because why are we doing this? I'm with you on the special teams point. One caveat I will throw in about some of these guys like Cam Lewis maybe Dane Jackson, maybe Tyrell Dodson that I hadn't even thought about. Two defensive coordinator roles got filled this offseason, one by Leslie Frazier, one by Eric Washington. Frazier in Seattle and Washington in Chicago. Those guys know these players very, very well. And much like the Bills, who could look at a Cam Lewis and say, hey, we have a real path to you to have a starting job here, or at least compete for one. Leslie Frazier, good luck starting with those corners. And um, Eric Washington, maybe even more so in Chicago, could be like, hey, we know what Cam Lewis can do. We know what Dane Jackson can do. We know what Tyrell Dotson can do. Come play for us. So the Bills aren't going to be able to necessarily hide these players. Like Maybe it's a lot like when Joe Shane went to New York and all the players that we liked at the bottom of the roster kept getting scooped up by the Giants. Okay, a couple more to go through here. Um, Taylor Raps in a category by himself, Luca. We... You need us as bad as we need you. Want to run it back? Rap had a surprisingly low market in 23. The Bills can't win a bidding war here, but they can offer a clear path to a starting role on a defense he's familiar with and a chance to reset his market next year at the age of 27. I think Rap would be plan A. Cam Lewis would be plan B. 
Uh, the Bills can't make him a rich man this offseason, but they can certainly do everything in their power to make him a rich man next offseason by giving him basically a starting role in a defense he's familiar with. Is that enticing enough to keep Taylor Rath, Rapp, who ended the season on the injury list? Part of me feels like when they even brought him in, that that was maybe even part of the discussion at that point in time. It feels like something was there where a guy like Taylor Rapp, who could have probably been fighting for a starting position more regularly on other rosters, you know, maybe lower, lower end teams, but on other rosters that then could have helped him in the market this year. Instead, he took the position that he did understanding that if no injuries come, he's going to be sitting there majority of the time. He's not going to be seeing a lot of field time. And maybe there were packages, which we did see with him out there that he could be utilized for. But overall, you're kind of a gadget guy on defense more than a regular starter. Now here's your opportunity. And, you know, I think that might've been in the cards at the end of the day, money talks. And if all of a sudden a team comes in and just wants to pay him something substantially more, there's nothing the bills can do about it. But I, I do wonder if there's kind of like a mutual, there was already a mutual conversation that was like, you will be a big part of this at the safety position next season. And then the year after that, if it works out, we will pay you. We will reward. You've seen what we just did for these two guys. We rewarded them handsomely for being all pro safeties. You will follow suit. You can be the next guy. You can see the successful track right there. It's kind of like going into a, a business that you know the career path that's already in front of you and it's a great one you just have to stay on track mm -hmm. and, and this kind of feels like that situation here where yes he might not get the biggest pay so unless someone comes in just offering the bag all of a sudden for him he will probably like you said i think you phrased it perfectly we need you just as much as you need us and we offer you a great opportunity where you can see the success. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel that will most likely get you a lot of the bag down the road. Yeah. Taylor Rapp's last play of his bills season was the interception that clinched the AFC East championship. Uh, the next group don't call us. We'll call you. We'll be in touch. If things go wrong this off season and we get desperate, Tim settle, Trent Sherfield and Puna Ford. Uh, the production did not match, match the level of various hype. These signings received, all three can still be useful in their own ways, none of which should be plan A or B. Um, you know, Settle and Puna Ford, I think that the Bills would really only consider if they strike out on, say, bringing back Daquan Jones and they can't find a defensive tackle that matches up value-wise in the draft. And they are, and Jordan Phillips retires, and now it's, it's May, and their defensive tackle depth is like Ed Oliver and fifth-round draft pick X. That's when you call up Tim Settle or Puna Ford and you're like, hey, what are you doing this summer? Um, Trent Sherfield, it's really even hard for me to find a path where they they want him back. Um, maybe he was just like the ultimate locker room guy, but I have the, all three of those guys in that grouping. Hey, you brought up a good point. We don't know how they are in the locker room, and you need those buzz guys. You need the you need the you need the uh locker room guys. Those are important. Mm -hmm. Those are important people. But yeah, all three of these guys, it would be kind of break glass in case of emergency. It's it's one of those ones where they, the, you could even call this the uh, AJ Klein role. Yes. Because, <laughs> because it's like, ah, that, that might be a little harsh. Now that I even said that, it's like, <laughs> they might find a roster elsewhere. It's not like AJ Klein, who's just going to be, you know, an electrician right. down the road. And then all of a sudden, Hey, we do need you in, in these December games. You want to come play with us? I don't think Tim settle 
or Puna Ford or those guys are quite down to that level. They're still young. They still can probably find a team somewhere. But overall, yes, I think coming back to the Bills, they probably struck out even in their own right in the free agency market everywhere. And then the Bills just, it didn't work out for them in free agency draft, so on and so forth, where it's like, yeah, if we can make this work, we'll make it work. All right, two veterans I want to talk about that joined the Bills last year and had some success. Uh, Linval Joseph in the category of, thank you for your service, big dog. We'll call you next November if we need you again. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's got a pretty good thing going where he uh, misses training camp, stays healthy until mid mid-season, and then uh, hops on a team with playoff aspirations and plays well. Nothing but good things to say about uh, Linval Joseph's time with the Bills. I think he stepped into a tough situation and handled himself very well. And then the other one is Leonard Floyd. We can't afford you. Go get your money. Floyd had a great season statistically, but the Bills can't afford him and frankly shouldn't feel like they need to keep him. If for whatever reason his market is dry, pick up the phone and see what he's thinking. Um, you know, both of those, I think, different kind of conversations. I think Linval Joseph kind of speaks for itself. He's not going to be a conversation you have in the summer or the spring. I think he's much more of a winter conversation if you have some injuries again. Leonard Floyd, though, I think there's going to be a segment of Bills fans looking that are surprised to hear that. He had double-digit sacks. He had some good moments for the Bills. I feel like not all double-digit sack seasons are the same. I never felt like Leonard Floyd was like that true edge-bending game record double-digit sack. It felt much more of like a compiler of sacks versus like impact. And I know that's just such a antiquated way of looking at it. I'm not in a huge hurry to go out and re-sign Leonard Floyd, but if the NFL views him the same way I do, and he can come back on like a, a four or five million a year deal, and you can spread that out and make it a minimal cap hit year one, sure, why not? But I, I, I would have zero interest in running it back at the same price as last year. Leonard Floyd, his most impactful thing was just week one knocking out Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It, that's really what it comes down to after that. Yeah, he would come up. He would come up with contribution sacks. They were never key sacks. They were never big time sacks. I, I honestly like looking back. It's really tough for me to be sitting in living rooms watching games. It's like I can remember when those moments happen where it's like, oh, Floyd just, you know, had another big sack, but they weren't like game changing. They weren't kind of game altering. It was just kind of one of those things where it, it felt inevitable because he's been at least getting to the quarterback at some sort of regularity for the season, but it wasn't impactful enough that it was changing games or was a legitimate threat where I'm not, I, I'm not paying Leonard Floyd a premium contract when you're dealing with the financial issues that you have, right? Like that's just, that doesn't make sense. You need to get around it elsewhere. You need to get more time to Greg Russo if that's what it if it comes down to just not doing a heavy rotation anymore and you're just going leaning harder on your big dogs. Like, so be it. That's just the reality of the the situation you're in. So there's that. And then yeah, Linval guys like Linval Joseph are man. They what a life. That's the best way to end your career. Don't retire. Just stay in shape. You're in your mid thirties now and a team will come calling later on when injuries are starting to pile up. And yeah, you just, you get the pick of the litter. You didn't have to deal with all the off season grind and let's see if I can make a run at this thing. That's a great way to try to get a ring, you know, minimal effort, maximum output. Hell yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page too. Like we both prioritize Epinesa over Floyd. And I think that oh, yeah. that might be kind of controversial, but um, speaking of defensive ends, uh, Shaq Lawson has his own category. I just can't quit you. 
Shaq loves being in Buffalo. The Bills are very, very light at edge. He's a bottom of the depth chart guy at this stage of his career, but should be very, very affordable. Would be very surprised if he's not at Bills training camp competing for a roster spot in July or August. Agree? Uh, agreed. Yeah, I, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to be willing to take, you know, your million dollar contract. Um, he's going to be 30 some point in the season. It might even be at the start of the season, but he's still young enough. And he's still like Shaq Lawson is that it's so funny. And it's like on the flip, you don't hear his name often, but you can see the impact he makes when he is involved. And it's like one of those things where you do need those kinds of guys and it works. So like, why, why try to change something that works and it actually works in the money as well? Like it, yeah, I, it, it's Shaq Lawson. I would, that would be surprising if he's not back because it just makes a little too much sense. And the last name on this list, best of luck in your future endeavors, Latavius Murray. Flashed some early, but lost the RB2 role decisively to Ty Johnson once Joe Brady took over. Buffalo even kicked the tires on Leonard Fournette midseason to replace Latavius Murray. Seems like a good teammate, but zero reason to think of keeping him in 2024. Yeah, I mean, the only person that'll be upset is Stokes because you don't get your nice six foot three running back to lean over on goal line. But uh, and yeah. Madden, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Madden, yes. <laughs> and Josh Allen was still the Bills best goal line back in the of course. NFL. He will be regardless, by the way. He's like one of the best goal line backs in the history. <laughs> by the way, the conversation from opposing fans who try to devalue Josh Allen's running touchdowns as if all he Hilarious. does is stand on the one yard line and hold the ball over. Have you just <laughs> ever watched a Josh Allen highlight package in your life? <laughs> Apparently not. I don't know where that came from, Luca, but boy, it felt good to get off my chest. Apparently <laughs> speaking of boy, it felt good. It felt good to do this again, Luca. Like th yeah. this whole like podcast thing. I, I think we should do it again next week. What do you say? Yeah, I, I think we should, you know, maybe get back to a regular schedule. That'd be fun. It, you know, it, 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 it feels good. It feels good to be back, get back behind the mic. And uh, next thing you know, it's going to be draft season. It will indeed, but and before the draft season gets here, we have free agency to dive into, and that is what we will be doing on our next couple's weeks worth of shows, talking about ideal free agent landing spots for some of these Bills players that are leaving, some players the Bills should be targeting in free agency. We may have a special guest coming up. We're still trying to line that up, and uh, he could be bringing some nice tidbits from the Combine as far as league news goes. And he had some interesting things to say about the bills mid season that got some national attention. We'll just put that little teaser out there. Uh, Luca will be back with Sabres chat. That's back in the rotation. Sabres are kind of up and down right now. Maybe a little more down had a nice little streak. You might get to hear about his frustration this week on Sabres chat. Luca also posted his first edition of his draft big board. As Stephen A. likes to say, it's fluid. He gets, to, you know, he can move oh, it yeah. around as we get more information, which we certainly did this week in Indy. Stokes, don't be confused by us being independent. Stokes is still very much part of the Bills Chat family. He'll be around. We're still trying to figure out what we're going to do with some quick chats. But um, Luke, anything you want to say before we get out of here? No. Uh, honestly, I got nothing more. It, it was good to get back. It's good to get back in the swing of things. Although, you know, it, we said drafts around the corner, but then boom, all of a sudden you get into those dog days of the off season or the in-between off season, whatever you want to call that. But, um, overall, um, it's good to be back. I don't want to talk about the Sabres right now, but I will be talking about the Sabres later this week. It is every other week, but it is this Wednesday that it'll be out. And, uh, yeah, no. I look forward to everything else in the future that we got going on again in season three of Bill's chat. Follow us on Twitter, Bill's chat pod. Follow us on Tic Tac, Tic Tac, Tic Holy cow at Bill's chat. 
Follow us on YouTube at Bill's Chat. We're also on Spotify, Apple, everywhere your podcast can be found. You will never have a hard time finding us. When in doubt, go to our Twitter page. We always try to link our latest show, give you access to every link we have. For Luca, I am Josh McCarty, and we will talk to you next week on Bill's Chat. Thank you.